0: This is Mouth Media Network. Your inside voice. My name is Kendra
1: Cole Butler. I am the founder of Alban Beauty, and what I love the most about beauty is that I believe it is the common tie that binds us all together. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your race, gender, background. We all are interested about learning ways to look and feel better about ourselves, and that is my favorite thing about beauty.
2: From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry.
3: welcome to beauty is your business this is karen moon and i'm here with my amazing co-host april franzino hi everyone so happy to be here to chat so kendra we're so excited to have you on the show would love to hear the origin story about Alpin beauty
1: well no one's more excited than me so thank you so much for having me i'm really excited to get to hang out with you guys this morning The origin story, so in a nutshell, I was a beauty industry veteran, was living in Manhattan for 15 years and I worked for a lot of beauty corporations and I just needed a break from New York City and that corporate bump and grind. And I was craving nature and fresh air and just a life change in general, to be honest. And one day, my husband and I packed up the car with everything that we owned and we drove west, landing in a town called Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We are in the northwest corner of Wyoming and we came here to just get a break from the city and have some buffalo and nature and wildflowers in our life. And we intended to stay for a couple months and it's been six years and I'm still in Jackson hole (laughs) talking to you today. The brand started because when I moved here, I realized in this small community, there was no beauty stores, like no place to shop beauty. There was not an apothecary. So I took it upon myself to open a couple stores just so I could still, you know, stay on trend with all the latest skincare innovations and just introduce really good products to the women who lived here. And working in the stores, I saw that people were coming in with very dehydrated skin. I mean, accelerated aging patterns, intense hyperpigmentation, dark spots, because when you live in a mountain climate, your skin has different needs. And we're at 6,200 feet above sea level, and all these clients were coming into the store with this skin that just looked about 10 years older than it actually was, and I was selling all of these great brands and I was getting returns. People would come back three days later with the moisturizer they bought and they would say, Kendra, this just was not enough. Like, what else do you have? And this was a real problem for me because I didn't really have anything else. It was I was selling the best lines in the business. And I was sitting in my backyard one day that backs up to a national forest and I was looking at the wild plants that were all over the acreage in my backyard, the flowers, the stems, the leaves, and everything in Jackson Hole. This was the summer of 2016 all of these plants were thriving. I mean, like juicy and plump and hydrated and lineless and gorgeous. And I was like, what is growing here? And how have these plants, how has mother nature found a way to adapt to this climate that is wreaking havoc on everybody's skin? Like, what do they know that we don't know? Like what's in these plants and what's growing here? And upon further research, I found that I was sitting in a forest of wild skincare ingredients in a town where every woman was walking around complaining about her skin and I was like well if this isn't ironic like there's natural skincare growing out of every corner you know of this community where there's all this problematic skin and how do I put these two concepts together and that's how Alpen Beauty started
0: pretty incredible oh my goodness <laughs> It's basically like the perfect moment for this type of brand because you're really doing something that everybody talks about natural and organic, but wild crafted is like a whole nother level, you know, and that your environment just like brought this opportunity to you is pretty amazing. So, first, before we get into the details of how you got all the wild crafted herbs and plants into products and all of that stuff, tell us a little bit about the name. I love the name, and it's so unique and it has a different meaning than some people think. It's not alpine. Yeah.
1: So when we first moved here, I was trying to get the stress of New York City out of my blood. You know, I was just like feeling overwhelmed, high anxiety, full of toxins. And when we moved to the mountains, I realized that in the morning and the night, there is this ethereal pink glow that lights up the entire sky. And it's called alpine glow. And it has something to do with the way that the light reflects off the snow peaked mountains. It's not only in Jackson Hole, it's in any mountainous climate, the Alps, Denver has it, Colorado, obviously. So, but it's this beautiful pink light. And I just found myself waking up early to get out in the pink light. Like I'd walk the dog in the pink light at night, I'd come home from work and have my glass of wine in the pink light. because it just was making me feel like this Disney princess, like you just go outside in it. And the whole sky is pink and I became quite obsessed with this timing of the day which was called Alpenglow and I named the brand Alpen Beauty after Alpenglow because the plants that we harvest and wildcraft, they are in this pink light also. It's like they drink it in, they grow in it. When we're wildcrafting and the pink light comes, we leave the plants alone. Like that's their happy hour. We give them a rest, we go home. So it just tied into uh, a lot of the inspiration behind the brand.
0: I mean, who doesn't want that glow from nature? Pretty amazing. So tell us how, obviously you had this idea, but the idea of taking you know these wildcrafted, botanicals and putting them into products is not as easy as it probably sounds. You can't just yank them out and stir them up in your kitchen. So tell us a little bit about how that process worked.
1: You know, April, like everything in life, like my experience was you just have to start doing it. Okay. Because if you look at all the things you have to do, the task list can seem extremely overwhelming. So you just have to start. So my first thing was, you know, I have to learn more about these plants. I need to find a local expert. I have to understand more about wildcrafting. And the most important thing for me as a founder was just making sure these plants were never harmed or killed. We are very, very sustainable. We are for the earth, from the earth. Like we want to work in synergy with the planet, not against it. So the harvesting method was important to me to make sure that when you wildcraft and you go out and harvest these plants from their natural growth environment because that's what wildcrafting is. It's like untouched by man. We don't plant them. We don't feed them. We don't water them. We let them struggle to survive because we want that resiliency. We want those resilient benefits and properties that they bring. But for me, it was like, how do we do this without hurting them? And what I learned is when wildcrafting is done properly, You're only taking a small piece of the stem or the leaf or the flower, depending on that nutrient section of the plant. And you're not ripping the plant out of the ground. Like we're not clearing forests. We don't rip anything by the root. It's like a foraging pruning process. Like you would trim a rose bush or pick a berry. You don't rip the berry bush out of the ground and walk it into your kitchen. Like you just, you pick the berries and the berries grow back. And that's something that I was very interested in. So once I found out how to do it properly, I had to identify the plants that were on our land, you know, what we could use, what we could use in these formulas. And from that point, I had to find a manufacturer because I didn't know how to do this. Like I'm cooking Mac and cheese on my stove for my toddlers. Like, I don't know how to mix a skincare line. I knew what needed to go in it. Like I knew how to write a formula, but I'm not a chemist. I don't know how to stabilize ingredients and all of that. So I started calling around manufacturers. I had known some from my previous experience in the beauty industry. And, you know, most of them just told me no, because the phone call went like this. I called them and said, I have this idea. I have these wild plants. Can I bring them to your facility? And can we mix them into a formula for a moisturizer? And everybody was kind of like, no, that's not the way that we do it. Kendra, sorry. Like we can't help you with this. We source from our ingredient suppliers in powder form. And then we, you know, whip up the formulas. And I was like, no, I know how you do it. I want to do it differently. So I heard, no, 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 no. I think it was like my 19th call. (laughs) The owner of the lab answered. He was just like walking by the phone. It was just like this random, he never answers the phone. But he had been to Jackson Hole before, so he took my call and he's like, I love Jackson. And we started talking and at the end of the call. He said, OK, I'll, I'll try this for you. Bring me your plants. So I drove my plants to him in a pickup truck. And that was the first major hurdle I had to get over is finding, you know, a, a clinical lab who could help me mix these plants in. And once we did that, we were off to the races.
0: Wow talk about from the ground up literally (laughs) totally so tell us a little bit Kendra about your background too in the beauty industry and how that prepared you and gave you the knowledge to kind of do something different that nobody had done before
1: I was always obsessed with skincare. I worked in skincare for 15 years and I just loved it so much. Um, makeup always was confusing to me. I didn't know how to put on an eyeliner or I didn't understand, you know, how to apply things the way that everybody does on, on social media outlets. But skincare, I just knew and I loved the science behind it. I loved that you could put vitamin C topically on your skin and you could see that change in the physiology and the way that it appears. And the more you use it, the Better your skin looks. And the idea of topical vitamins, which has always been so fascinating to me because we all eat healthy and we take these vitamins and we do yoga and we drink our green juices. But then I was having clients come into the store that were washing their faces with a bar soap. And I'm like, this is so great. Like, how come we're not treating the skin the way that we treat everything else? But I worked for some really great brands Clarins, I was at Givenchy, Dr. Dennis Gross. I was very fortunate to have some very, very very good mentors um, in the industry who taught me a lot about ingredients and the interactions on the skin. And when I moved to Jackson, I kind of had all that knowledge. I just didn't think that I was going to use it in this way. I never intended to do this. It's not like I was like, oh, let me start my own skincare line. I think that necessity is the mother of invention. And I had a problem that my skin was looking really bad when I got here and the whole town's skin was looking really bad. (laughs) And I was just trying to solve a problem at first.
3: I love hearing these stories. I mean, it always takes someone thinking differently and doing things differently to like truly innovate. I'm curious, like, As you think about the handcrafted nature and and everything, as the business scales, by the way, congrats on um, all the distribution, obviously, like Crado, Blue Mercury, Sephora. I'm curious how this scales and how you maintain, you know, consistency as the business grows to make sure there's enough and like, how are you thinking through that?
1: That's a really good question. And I get asked that a lot. And you know, my response is always like, Have you ever been to Jackson Hole? <laughs> because there are so many plants. So this city that I live in is 97% national forest. And we have our own private acreage and property. And it's just thriving. Um, so the supply is basically unlimited. And the important thing to note is two things. When we wildcraft, we only take a little bit from each plant and we continue to move on in the patch. So you can have six acres of arnica and you're just taking like tiny little pieces. Like I can't even put a dent in that Arnica patch to make products for years and years and years. And the second thing is that the plants grow back, like they just continue to come. So we can harvest one week and three weeks later, we can come back to that same spot. And I mean, two weeks later, it looks like we weren't even there. It's untouched. Like they just continue to pop back because these wild plants are incredibly resilient. They're used to being eaten and nibbled on by animals who forage on them. They have have these regenerative properties that they just spring back immediately. So our wildcrafting season is July through September. We're in it now. I'm, I'm going out actually after this conversation, but we have three months to get all the actives that we need for the year. And then we have a very proprietary process of how we soak the plants and store them. And then they're good. You have a two-year shelf life on each harvest, basically. And we're just very busy from July to September. But I tell people I could supply the world. If everybody in the world used Alpen Beauty day and night, every day, I still would have enough plants (laughs) because you have to see this place. It's kind of crazy. It's a bottomless supply.
3: It's so interesting about the resilient nature that just seems to make so much sense, (laughs) you know, does it have a longer shelf life because it's also resilient and are you guys thinking about ingestibles or anything like that with ingredients. You know, who
1: knows what we're going to do in the future. And the resiliency is is what really got me. And that's how I became infatuated because these plants, like they have to grow through 50 feet of snow. They are getting baked by the sun. We can go in a Jackson Hole summer for weeks and weeks without rain. So they're never getting watered. And I was looking at these wild plants and then comparing them to something that's commercially planted. And I just started thinking like, wow, like this is a totally different animal. It's like, You have this this living, breathing plant that has never been given anything in its life and it has to thrive. It's Darwinism of plants in a sense. Um, when a farmer plants something in particular, like crops, like we'll put additives in the soil because we want abundance because it's commercial. Like that's how we make money. We'll, we'll shade these plants. We'll feed them. We'll water them. Their secondary metabolite system that nature has given them never has to kick in. It never has to work because they just kind of lay there like, Like, you know how you are on vacation, you lay in a lounge chair, you let somebody feed you, sun you, shade you, bring you your food at the pool versus, you know, when you're trying to make it in life, you're doing everything for yourself. It's like not different than a helicopter parent. They say, let your kids like struggle, like let them have altercations, like let them be there to support them, but let them go through that. The resiliency, that was my thought. I was like, wow, these plants are kind of like... Extremely badass. Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I was like, wow, this was like, they must. What if we put these plants that have lived every day of their life fighting on the skin? Are they going to bring that fight to the aging process? And are we going to be able to push the boundaries on results? and really start to see the skin change if we're using something that nobody else is using. And the answer was yes. You know, I started here by giving it out to the locals and they were like, what is this stuff? Like, oh my gosh. And that's when I had the confidence to approach some national retailers thinking that if it works in the mountains, imagine how it's going to perform at sea level or in, in a climate that is more forgiving, you know, than Jackson Hole.
0: Pretty amazing. It really is remarkable how cool nature is and how it can benefit us too and how you can also get those benefits without harming nature, which is amazing that you've taken that approach because a lot of brands don't do that.
2: International strategy. I'm Jessica Quick, co-founder of Buzz Beauty, and I'm with my colleague and co-founder Denise Dente. Hi, Denise. Hi, Jessica. We're talking about one of my favorite subjects, international strategy. I know we just finished building the international expansion plan for a great brand featured on Shark Tank, which has been really great. The process was so transformative and enlightening for those new founders. They really did have that clear message that they wanted to go global but craving that detailed action plan to take. So we started by building the foundation through the series of decisions and choices centered around those three P's that we love. Yep, the three P's, place, people, and process. That's right. We first start with place, which is actually where the product is gonna be sold, meaning identifying the channels and the geography. So when we say channels, we talk about where it's going to be sold And then with geography and regions, it's really about where that product is going to play best. Then we discuss people, what that structure looks like internally or externally to support the international business. It's always best to have a subject matter expert to give you all the options as well as the pros and cons for those structures to make the best decision. For this team, it was all about having a structure with flexibility so that it could grow as they grew. Finally is process. Establishing a process that'll really work best for your company's capabilities while staying flexible when you grow and providing solutions to challenges when they inevitably will pop up. If you're looking for help to create your international strategy or to execute the plan you have, reach out to us at buzzbeauty.com or check out our book, Whip Fire Money, an international guidebook for beauty brands looking to go global.
0: Tell us a little bit about the products themselves and how you, you know, came up with the first one and then built the line over time. Obviously that was strategic and there's strategic ingredients and different formulas, so... So
1: that's a very good question. So I came from a clinical background and the only thing I ever know about skincare is clinical. Like clinical formulas, like I love retinol. I love actives that are made in a laboratory. Like I just have, I've always been in this clinical kind of camp, if you will. And when I was formulating Alpen Beauty, I was breastfeeding my first and pregnant with my second. And I remember- when I had my first baby going to the doctor and her asking me what I was eating and using on my skin. And I said, retinol. And she said, no, you can't use retinol anymore. And it was a moment for me. I mean, I couldn't breathe. I was like getting heart palpitations. I had high levels of anxiety, like on the table. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Like I have to use retinol. Like I love retinol. And she was like, not anymore, babe. Like you're not going to use it now. And I remember going into the parking lot and sitting in the car. And I was just like, what, what am I going to do? And at that point I started researching just like retinol alternatives, plant-based retinols. I was all over the internet, just trying to figure out what was going on. And that was the time that Bakuchiol was coming out. And Bakuchiol is a plant-based alternative to retinol. Um, It comes from the Babchi plant and the supplier had done some pretty impressive clinicals comparing it in an in vitro setting to retinol with over 30 participants. And it had all the clinicals just saying that the results were no different. And that's kind of when I was like, wow, well, if I could use something that's just as effective, but it comes from nature, so I jumped off the retinol bandwagon onto the bakuchiol one was shocked that you know as I started formulating alpine and I was switching to these natural alternatives my skin not only was maintaining but it actually looked better than it did when I was using all my clinical ingredients so I was like well this is a no brainer <laughs> if I can like if I can switch to plant based and still see those results that I want, who wouldn't make that switch? So everything in the line um, is formulated with plant-based ingredients. We'll use synthetics, natural synthetics, if they have a high biodegradability factor, that's very important to us. I have nothing against synthetic ingredients. We don't use parabens. We have a very extensive no list. I don't even use phenoxyethanol. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with it. I just feel like if you can get something very effective and safe that's very, very clean, like why would you not just take out anything that's questionable? So that's kind of was my approach in formulating the line. And we just are very basic. You know, we have a peel, a cleanser, a moisturizer, a serum. I don't want to be one of those lines that has here's 10 cleansers and here's 20 serums and here's, you know, 30 moisturizers like that. I feel like it's just a little overwhelming. And I think skincare should be simple and effective and easy.
0: love that. Tell us a little bit about, you know, you came up with this amazing concept. You have the ingredients and you have the lab and you have your product. So what was your plan to get them out in the world and how did you approach that?
1: First, I had to make sure that they worked. So I used my stores as my first little testing ground. So after we mixed the first product, which was melt moisturizer, I'd written this formula. I found a manufacturer they gave me these 50 little sample pots and I started just dropping them in shopping bags in my beauty stores just to see what would happen. And the clients that had the most complaints that were always like, this doesn't work. Like I would give them like two, okay? And I would just say, come back next time you come in, tell me what you think of this moisturizer and pretty quickly i saw that they liked it you know i couldn't walk through the grocery store or go to my yoga class without like somebody coming up to me and like placing their hands on my shoulders and like what was that like what did you give me? I want more. I want a lot of it. So I was like, okay, this works. And this works on people who are suffering from problematic skin in a very, very unforgiving climate. So then I decided to start sending it out to retailers. Um, I sent it to Annie Jackson in Credo in San Francisco. And She was like, fly out, I wanna meet with you. And I flew to San Francisco and I had my little pot and a piece of paper with like some marketing information. And at that point, I didn't even have a skincare line. I just had the sample. And I was like, look, like this is... What I believe to be the future of the clean and natural skincare space is wildcrafting because it's sustainable. The plants are incredibly potent and they really, really perform. And there's so much discovery. Like I have a thousand plants in my backyard and 995 of them have never been put in a skincare formula. So what like, haven't we found yet? Like I want to do this and I just want to know what you think. And she um, got behind the brand pretty fast. And she said, we'd like to support you with this. Let's get a PO and let's get it into stores. And at that point, you know, I didn't even have anything. I was just like, it was just a concept. It was an idea in my head. So Credo got behind the brand right from the start in a very big way, which I'm incredibly appreciative of. And the next person who got behind it was Goop. And they sent it to Jean Godfrey June. And I was like, Jean, like, am I crazy? Or is this moisturizer like? A really, really good moisturizer. And she was like, no, this is a good moisturizer. Like we'd like to talk to you about it. So Goop and Credo got behind the brand fairly early on. And then once they launched us, we launched in August of 2018. And after we had those two retailers, then I started getting calls from others, you know, it opened the door for me for Blue Mercury and QVC has been incredibly supportive of us, you know, from the very, very start. They're a great partner followed by Detox and Aaliyah. And we just have the best distribution partners right now. And I I couldn't be more appreciative or grateful.
3: So what's next for the business? Like, where do you want to take it? We have a lot of stuff to do
1: right now. We're getting some requests for international expansion, but you know in my mind we are still we haven't even penetrated the domestic market yet. I mean, there's like, we're in startup mode, you know, we are year three in our life cycle. And there's just a lot to do in front of us, a lot of educating, a lot of talking to our community, explaining, you know, what the Wildcrafted brand is, we want to grow this very slow and organically, I don't want to just like, push it out there until it's we've had really time to tell our story. And who knows what the future holds? You know, we've had requests from our community to do makeup products and, and hair products and, you You know, I do see this expanding into different categories in the future, but right now we haven't even finished skincare yet. So I think we're going to just crawl before we walk and take one day at a time. What I'm focused on this summer is finding new actives. We're always looking for new plants to start to layer in to our formulas. And we found some that I'm very excited about that are in the testing phase right now. So I can't talk about them yet, but hopefully I will be able to talk about them soon.
0: So exciting. It's just so amazing to see how the brand has grown and something so unique on the market that there really isn't anything like it. And now everybody wants to come visit you. (laughs) I have so many guests.
3: I want to come harvest with you. It sounds fun. It's like wine tasting. It's like tourism.
1: It is so fun. It's like an adult version of Disney World. I know my business partner and I were like, everybody's like coming to us. Maybe we should sell tickets, like hop on the wildcrafting ride, like climb up the hill with us and let's like harvest some plants. No, but it is it is very fun. We feel very grateful and blessed. But yeah, it's funny. It's like when we lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, nobody would come and visit us. And now that the pandemic's over, like literally we're getting calls every week. Like, can we, we're booking our guest apartment like somebody books a hotel room, you know? Like, it's just like everybody's coming out. But yeah, Jackson Hole in the summer is beautiful and inspirational. And our summers are fast, man, but are they worth it? Like every day is per perfection perfection so we only get two and a half months summer but we wait all year for it too we pay the price in the winter with 75 feet of
3: snow so up next we're going to hit the pan and get to know kendra at a deeper level
0: have you taken a look at story dot yet every brand and every product has a story to tell And you can't successfully sell that brand or product without telling the story. StoryDot delivers your story wherever you want it to be heard. You can meet your customers at each point in their journey, connecting the dots between your business and the consumer to enhance engagement, experience and conversion. I encourage you to take a look at dot story. at StoryDot.com. That's dot com. And now it's hitting the pan.
3: So we're back and we're going to hit the pan to figure out who gets to ask Kendra, the first question. We'll take a spin of the cilantro and it lands on me. So I'm so jealous that you live in Wyoming. I'm assuming you ski. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't think you can live here and not ski.
3: Tell me more. Like, what has been, like, since you've been there, like the delightful surprises and how many days of the year do you get to ski? Um,
1: so my husband and I have a competition we're probably, I am definitely lacking. Um, he, he can log in over a hundred in the season. Like I'm barely able to get 40 in, you know, with the corporate job, but it's funny. I am the worst skier coming from Manhattan. I'm the worst skier in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I've been skiing every winter for six years, When I moved out here that first winter, I made some mom friends. And these are the girls that are like, they're like my posse. You know, we go to swim lessons together. We talked about breastfeeding, baby toys, like all that. So we usually are sitting around a room, like in a group, like talking about our babies. And the first time my mom friends were like, do you want to ski? I was like, okay, like, what's this going to be like? You know, we're all moms, like we'll probably be slow and We get up on this mountain and it was four of us and I put on my skis and I always thought I was a decent skier. I grew up on the East Coast. I can hold my own on a mountain. And by the time I strapped my boots in, I didn't see my friends. Like they were gone. I mean, these girls were like... They were down the mountain at like 100 miles an hour, like a freaking Lamborghini. They're turning and jumping stuff and like clearing trees. I'm like, what is going on? This is like my mom friend group. I thought we were all going. (laughs) But there are some crazy skiers here. And, you know, these girls had been here for 10 years and it just becomes, it's part of the culture of this town and community. And I have a three and a five-year-old son who are both better than me right now because they've been on skis since the time they could walk because we started here. So there's a lot to do in the winter and there's a lot to do in the summer. And I love nature. I love the outdoors. And that's why it's just such a great place to live.
3: Amazing. yeah. No, they, people always say, I still haven't been there yet, but I've been seeing a lot of other places, but they always say, you know, the blues are like black diamonds and everything's just like more intense there is what I've heard. So
1: it's unbelievable. Yeah, all of our East Coast friends come out to ski. And after like a run, they're like, we need to take a break. This is ridiculous. Because the runs are like six miles, you know, versus like, but yeah, it's really funny. I'm still, I still really stink at skiing compared to the locals. I really do.
3: Well, I mean, at least you did it in the East Coast. I have a lot of respect for that. It's too icy. I grew up skiing in Lake Tahoe. So I'm just spoiled. <laughs> you are so spoiled. That's a great place to learn. Yeah, it's a problem. We'll take another spin of the salon chair or ski lift if that even be
0: And it lands on April. Okay, so obviously you love your new, not so new, but your life in Jackson Hole, in nature. What do you miss most about city living? Oh, so many things. <laughs>
1: So the first thing is the food. I just really miss the food. Like I loved living in the city and having access to so much, so many different types of food, all hours of the day. We don't have delivery here. So everything you have to pick up, which was something that was really hard for me to get used to. I miss the shopping, obviously, but I think on a more soulful level, I miss the culture, the diversity, and the energy of Manhattan. We have a great community here. And there's a fantastic population of people, but it's much smaller. We're about, you know, 10,000 here in Jackson Hole in terms of population. And then in the summer, it goes up to 2.5 million because everybody's touring Yellowstone. So we get a ton of tourist traffic. So you get diversity that way. But I just think I miss like, the artistic culture and different type of people living in one city the most, because it's hard to find that when you're in a smaller populated town.
0: Oh, love it. Well, luckily you can usually come visit hopefully again soon. NYC is always here for you. Oh my gosh. I miss it so much. My
1: salon AKS, shout out to Susanna Romano. Like I try to book business meetings to go back to New York because I have business there, but all I really want to do is just go and get like a really good haircut and color. Yeah. I miss so much about the city and I I will always consider it my home for sure.
3: I hear you. Kendra, do you have any final thoughts for a listener?
1: You know, just want to say that if anybody out there is feeling that they are burnt out, you know, in their life or that they need a change or that something's not right, I just encourage you to listen to that inner voice because the universe may have a grander plan in mind for you and it can't do it all by itself. We have to make the change. And if something feels wrong, then it probably is. And that was my firsthand experience. You know, I just like couldn't figure out why I had all these amazing things, but I just wasn't happy inside as a person. I was listening to that little voice that was saying, you know, try something different, try something different, make a change. I did it. And it's led me down this beautiful path. And I'm glad, you know, that I was open minded to it. So it's hard to leave routine and consistency and like knowing you're going to get a paycheck every week and knowing where you live and knowing what your job is. Like we take comfort in routine, but sometimes breaking that could be the best thing that ever happened to us. So I think that was one of the biggest life lessons that I've learned over the past six years and just wanted to share it with others.
0: Love that. That's so inspiring. And it makes so much
3: sense just in this time now where we've all kind of experienced different things and are prioritizing life in different ways, right? So thank you so much for sharing. And what's the best way for listeners to learn more about the brand and get in touch?
1: You can go to our site, com. You can slide into our DMs on Instagram or Alpen Beauty spelled with a Y-A-L-P-Y-N. I'm always on those DMs. Like I just want to hear from people. I want to talk to our community and those who support us. But yeah, we have videos on there. And like I said, I have to take this dress off in about an hour and throw on some jeans and a big old hat and my wildcrafting bucket, which is over there behind me. <laughs> so I'm in and out in the summer. But yeah, I would love to hear from you guys. And thank you so much for taking the time to have me. I really had the best time with you.
3: Well, thank you so much for sharing you know your story and your amazing energy. It was so much fun learning about wildcrafting and the brand and the journey you've been on. It's been super inspiring.
1: Thank you for listening. I have to send you some more products so you can get on other things besides the eye cream.
3: Sounds good. I mean, I actually have really dry skin, so now I it all makes sense now <laughs> okay I'm like hearing all of this. Huckleberry peel. Ooh, okay, gotta try that. As always, it's so much fun doing this together with you,
0: April. Thank you, Karen. And thank you so much, Kendra, for being here. We loved hearing your story and your enthusiasm is contagious. So thank you. All right, come out. We're going to
1: wildcraft. Let's book a trip, girls. Can't wait.
3: Awesome. It's on. And this is Karen Moon signing off from Beauty is Your Business. Hugging kisses.
2: This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business.